0: Welcome to Celebration Church's podcast. We hope this helps you to know God better and trust Him more. To learn more about Celebration Church, please visit us at CelebrationChurchLive.com. Last week, we kicked off a new series that we've just called Risen. And so, and of course, on Easter Sunday, what a great time to to kick off a series called Risen, and we're just going to spend the next few weeks looking at what it means to live in the resurrection life, because Jesus was raised so that we could be raised, that His resurrection life gives us new life, and sometimes we can kind of forget what that means to step over and to begin to live in the resurrection life. We, we think sometimes it's just about when when our, our Bodies are done when life is over and we step over into this other concept of eternity when really eternity for us has begun now we are we have a relationship with God we begin to connect and and see what Jesus taught us to pray on earth as it is in heaven begin to be lived out here and now and so if you've got your uh, Bible app open. You got your version notes or maybe just your little old school bulletin we put in your hands when you walked in here. You can go ahead and track right along as we begin to jump into the second part of this. And we are looking at this concept that the resurrection of Jesus changes everything about life. It changes everything. It's not just the fact that we get to step over from death to life. It's not just that now we're not stuck in our sins and our shame anymore. Praise God for that. But that's that's the starting point. We get new life, and we begin to live in that new life. That's where we get to, to launch from. What a beautiful thing. Most of everything thinks that we're trying to get to a place where we have a relationship with God. No, we start there. We begin there. We're His children, and then we grow in learning what that means, what it means to be a child of God. Let's go ahead and look at Romans chapter 6, verse 4. It says, we were therefore buried with him through baptism into into death. In order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead (coughs) through the glory of the Father, we too may have new life. We also, not just Jesus, we're not just celebrating his resurrection. We're celebrating the fact that we get to live in it. We get to be partakers of it. See, we talked about looking for resurrection life last week that was the the whole point if you walked away with anything last week it's that we ought to in our lives right now begin to look for resurrection life look for jesus being at work in our lives look for the holy spirit being at work in our lives that's how we get to live in it that's how we get to do it we do this in our other relationships we do that. I get up in the morning. If my day gets going, before Cutie's day gets going, then at some point, then we make contact. Hey, what are you doing? What's going on? What do you have planned for the day? We're making completely uh, making contact and, and running everything by one another and looking for what the other one is doing. We know how to do this, folks. This isn't a foreign concept. We just have to begin to step into doing it with our Heavenly Father. We just have to begin to say, God... What do you have on your agenda today? God, what's going on today? What can I participate with you today? I want to connect with you. But if we're going to do that, we we're if we're going to begin to look for risen life, then the thing is is the only things we really look for are the things that we actually hope to find. That's the only time we really look for something and if there's hope, we'll find it. If we don't think there's any hope, we don't even look. We don't think there's any hope at all. We just lose all energy to do it. It feels like futility. But when there's this place of hope in our hearts, and so many times we forget that hope is a key part of stepping into and living in this life in Christ, that we have to cultivate this place of hope. And today we're going to be looking at that concept of hope. Let's go ahead and look at 1 Timothy 4, 8 through 10. It says, for. Paul is writing to his number one disciple, his number one person he's poured himself into and what he calls his son in the faith, Timothy. And he's writing to him and and he's telling this. He's giving him these great nuggets of truth. He says, for physical training is of some value. Here it is. You need a reason to go to the gym? There you go. Physical training is of some value. It's not the end all be all. You don't just go to the gym and everything's okay. But it's of some value. It it, it helps us take care of this earthen vessel that that we need to, to be stewards over our bodies. It's of some value. It says, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise both for the present life and the life to come. And so many times we can get focused and think that this thing of living in Christ and having a relationship with God is just about the life to come. But it has implications on this present life as well. It begins to change everything. He says, this is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. That is why we labor and strive because we have put our hope in the living God who is the savior of all people and especially of those who believe. That's kind of a funny thing to say that he's the savior of all people, but especially of those who believe. Well, that's we, we see this all through the scriptures. That Jesus came and who did he die for? Who did he, who did he reconcile to himself? All of us. Everybody. But we're also, we have to believe it. We have to lay hold of it. It was already done, but we have to believe it. That's why he's the savior of everyone, but especially of those who reach out and grab a hold of it and make that their firm foundation to have that that's gonna be their anchor for their life, their anchor for their hope. Because I tell you what, God was it came in so that we could be brought out of the mess and the ugly. And so many times we get stuck in a situation and where, man, we just we just need to hang on to hope. We can't move forward until we have a place to stand on from just a place of hope. And this morning, if your hope is on its last thread, my prayer for you is that you're able to grab a hold of hope, maybe like never before. That you're able to grab a hold of it and see that God is with you and is for you like never before. Maybe you've been walking for an extended period of time and, and you feel like you can see it on the horizon. You're still going, but man, my hope's going to run out. And I'm here to tell you, hang on to hope. One of my favorite stories to tell is a, a story of my papa. My Pawpaw has he's just... T- full of stories. My papa is just, he's just a hoot. And um, my papa has got into so many different messes, but this is the messiest mess he ever got into. And um, uh, my Pawpaw has uh, 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 lived the, the bulk of his adult life in Andrews, Texas, and was the bread man there and delivered Mrs. Baird's. i love to gra- get up in that Mrs. Baird's truck and, and, uh, and pick me out a, a fried pie or, or or some of those cupcakes and that was just a treat when I was a kid and then he got done with that job and he got on and retired from that and then started another job. Why? Because a man works. That's, that's what he does. So he got hired on with Andrews County and he would drive dump trucks and backhoes and shredders on the side of the highway and just do all this different stuff, all this maintenance stuff. Well my papa and a couple of guys were out working and around a a backed-up septic system and they'd had the cover off of this and for whatever reason the people that the guys that he was working alongside um, had to run an errand they had to leave they were gone and left my grandfather alone with a full-to-the-brim septic system with an open cover and uh, just like you can imagine Somehow my papa loses his footing and he falls in. <laughs> and his instincts come out. Now, my pawpaw is not a super tall man. At his height, he was five, eight, and three-quarters inches. Because he barely missed being a fireman by a quarter of an inch. He had to be five foot nine to be a fireman. He was five eight and three-quarters. And so and he sits there, and of course, your wingspan is about as tall as you are, is about as tall as you are. And my papa, as he goes into this big old cover, he throws his arms out to keep from going all the way in. So he's sitting there, and he's doing the iron cross in the middle of Cess, in the middle of Nasty. And so and his feet are just dangling down in all the... Yes. They're just down there. Now, he's not a trained gymnast. He can't hold this posture forever. And so he's sitting there, and he knows, okay, something's got to give here. So, But he also knows enough of gravity and physics that if he moves his hands to go over and grab the edge, you're going to bob down. And it was already right up to here. And he did not want it coming up to here. (laughs) So he's sitting there and he's, he's stuck. He doesn't know what to do. So what he does is what made him think of this, but... He just starts fishing around with his toe and looking for something to grab, looking for a toehold. And thankfully, this was a concrete septic tank, and there was a place where the seams were put together, and there was a little bitty concrete lip, and, it's, and the edge of his shoe grabbed that concrete lip, and he was able to put his feet there, hold himself up just enough to make a quick move, And pull himself out. And he said when he found that toehold. When he found that he knew. Everything was going to be okay. (laughs) He had something firm to stand on. In the middle of his mess. And, folks, that's where our hope is found. We find that our, our energy can run out. Our ability to, to, to keep going begins to tap out, that we're gonna, our own strength is going to run out. But when we have a firm place to stand on, I'm telling you, we can, we can press through and see God pull us out. Thankfully, he was able to climb out of there and somehow have to get in his car and drive home. And I, the rest of the story is as big of a mess as that. But, uh, but in Christ, we don't just have a toehold. In Christ, we don't just have this little bitty place if we reach just right. Folks, we have a firm foundation to stand on. We have something that is solid and secure. See, hope holds on through Saturday to experience Sunday. Hope holds on. That's one of the beauty of the resurrection. That's one of the most beautiful things. I loved it that Nat shared some of that on, his, on the, our live feed. That he talked about what it would look like on Saturday when, when Jesus went to the cross and there was all this hope as his disciples looked on and thought, okay, at any point, at any point he's going to come off that cross. At any point things are going to shift. But then he said, it is finished and he breathed his last and they, they stuck him in a tomb and they sealed it up and Saturday. Man, and that was when things started going sideways for the disciples. Remember we talked about last week that Jesus promised that he was going to be killed. He had walked them through exactly who was going to do it, how it was going to happen, but that on the third day he was, he was going to come back. But they did not grab a hold of that firm place to stand and in the middle of the miracle. It got a little dark. It got a little ugly. And all of a sudden, that's when things went sideways. See, hope holds on through the dark place. Hope holds on in the middle of the muck and the cess and the mess. Hope holds on so that we can experience the promise that God had said was coming all along. In fact, Hebrews six nineteen says, We have this hope as an anchor for our soul. Firm and secure. Your soul needs an anchor your soul needs one your soul is your mind your will and emotions see your spirit doesn't need one your spirit is alive in Christ and that is that part of you that's seated in heavenly places right now your spirit has been made alive as soon as you believe but your soul your mind your will and your emotions that part of you that is you that part of you that if somebody else looked just like you if they had a different soul they'd be a completely different person the soul of each other is what we fall in love with we may be initially attracted to that outer shell we call a body but once we begin to get to know one another all of a sudden the soul is what we fall in love with that's who we are and see our mind our will and our emotions need an anchor because in the middle of the mess all of a sudden we can begin to have all these crazy thoughts and think, man, God's not faithful and it's not going to happen and God's not going to carry me through and all of a sudden it goes, it goes haywire and sideways and our soul needs an anchor and hope and what God has done is an anchor to our soul. It reaches. It enters into the inner sanctuary behind the curtain and this is using, remember this is this is Hebrews. The writer of Hebrews is speaking to Hebrew people and they understand all this Old Testament imagery. Okay, For Gentile believers this sometimes doesn't make sense but this reaching into the inner curtain this was the Holy of Holies. This is where the presence of God was in the old covenant uh, Israel. This is where the, the Ark of the Covenant was and it says that it, this reaches in into the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner Jesus has entered on our behalf and has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek, this hope reaches all the way into the very presence of God. That's what he's telling the Hebrew people. It reaches all the way there to where my ugly situation over here, I am not going to get stuck here because my hope goes all the way and it grabs a hold and is firm and secure in the very presence of God. That is where it lives. See, 1 Thessalonians 1, 2 says, We always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Why is endurance inspired by hope? Because what do you have to endure? Something that's not completed yet. You have to endure something that's not completed. I've got to be an observer, first-hand observer, as my wife has carried quite a few children. (laughs) Quite a few to say the least. We have seven beautiful children. And I tell you what, for a little while, it's all Blessed and glowy and wonderful. <laughs> just like a little extra energy, a little kick in her step. And then it hits another phase. <laughs> and she's ready for this to be done. She is ready for it to be over. And especially with our first one, with Keenan, it was like he was just not going to come. He's just nice and cozy and he's just going to stay there. Like everything's all right and we just would wait it and waited and then she was uncomfortable and it was hot and we turned the air conditioner down to 62 and handed blankets to people who would come over to see us and I'm not joking <laughs> we did cuz she would just it was just hot and miserable but the reason she was able to endure is because there was a hope that it was not going to be this way forever that it would end one way or another The doctor was going to make sure he came out. It was going to end. Our endurance is inspired by hope. And if you're in the middle of something, that is when hope is needed so much. It's when you're in the middle of it. In fact, our faith is totally connected with this. Hebrews 11.1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Our faith is what we're hanging on to right now. It's the surety of what we're hanging on to right now, knowing that what we're hoping for is then going to come to be. Our faith is what we've got. He goes on to say that we don't hope for something we already have. I can't say that I I I hope I show up to church today. I'm really hoping. Hoping I make it up the steps and come up and start preaching. It's already happened. I hope I finish, and so do you. We'll get there. But faith, it's the substance of things hoped for. Let's look at the, the message translation. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, The fundamental fact of existence is that this trust in God, this faith, is the firm foundation under everything that makes life worth living. It's our handle on what we can't see. It reaches back in there where we can't see and hope. Hope. Our faith is what we're grabbing a hold of that we hope is going to. And that's what keeps us connected. That's why we, we don't live, we don't walk by sight. We walk by faith. Firmly grabbing a hold of what we hope and what God has promised. See, hope holds on to what God says. Now I want us to go back to resurrection day. Okay? Not not resurrection morning where everybody runs into the empty tomb. We're going to take just a a little bit of time past that. We're coming up on resurrection later in the day. In fact, it begins to approach evening when we get to this story. And we're going to look at Luke 24. And if you've heard of the going on a walk to Emmaus, walk to Emmaus is based on this because there were a couple of guys who were walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus. And this guy, other person, comes along. Okay, okay. Could have been a husband and a wife. Theologians disagree. Two men, a man and a wife. We don't know. Two people walking down a road to Emmaus. And so they're going down. And then here comes along. Another person walking on this road to Emmaus. So let's go ahead and pick up in verse 13. It says, now that same day two of them were going to a village called Emmaus. About seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. Talking about the fact that Jesus had come in to, to, to just everyone putting down their coats... And the palm branches and and Palm Sunday and man it was just looking good and the whole city was for Jesus and it was just amazing and then everything turned on its heels and everything went sideways and then he ends up in this crazy court system and people call for a a murderer and ask for Barabbas to be released and, and Jesus to be killed and Pilate washes his hands of the deal and turns him over to be killed and Jesus is put up there with two criminals. There's the guy that they look for as Messiah, and he's killed, and he's buried and stuck in a tomb. And then there's these rumors that he's not in the tomb anymore, and they're talking about it. Talking about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. So they're cruising along. Walking along, talking about everything that happens to Jesus. And here comes Jesus. Jesus comes up and joins in and sits there and is listening to them go back and forth. They're bound to have, they're like you and I. We all have opinions. They had to be spinning their opinions. They had to be talking about their theories and this is what what should happen and all this stuff. And Jesus just kind of walks up and he's just listening to them. But they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? Jesus kind of plays dumb. So, what are you talking about? What's going on? Covering the holes in his hands. What are you guys talking about? What are you guys doing? They stood still, their faces downcast. Their faces are downcast. Okay. They're depressed. It says, one of them named Cleopas asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that have happened there in these days? Do you, are you the only one? How do you not know what has been going on here? And then Jesus keeps it going and says, what things It's just funny. (laughs) What things, he asked? They said, about Jesus of Nazareth. About you, apparently. They didn't know that. They replied and said he was a prophet. Mm. Powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped... We had hoped. There was hope in their hearts at one point in time. But there wasn't there anymore. That's why their faces were downcast. That's why they were walking down a road, kicking rocks, discussing what could have been. It says, what things? We had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it's the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. These are some of the first people to have heard the good news that Jesus was alive And they didn't believe it. Some of the first two people. And they had had their hopes in him. They had had their hopes in him. But they thought he was going to do it a certain way. They didn't realize the scope. First they just thought he was going to come to redeem Israel. Oh, Israel was on the agenda. But he had a much bigger agenda than that. He He had the whole world on his mind. He had all of us on his mind. His agenda was much bigger than their community. His agenda was much bigger than what they had thought it was. But they had sitting there and were going around kicking rocks because they had lost hope. See, he had promised that he was going to come out of the grave. We have people who had gone there told them and said that there had been angels involved in this being revealed And they still didn't believe it. Folks, when it comes down to it, we're either going to believe what God has spoken to us or we're not. We're either going to believe it or not. You can have your best friend have an angel visitation. You can have somebody who gives you first-hand account of the empty grave. But this comes down to what are you going to believe? What are you going to grab a hold of? Are you going to believe God's word? Are you going to believe the circumstance and what's there? It says, then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. But they didn't see Jesus. Then he said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. It has already been told you that this was going to happen. And I love this. I love this. He says, did not Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets. He goes back to scripture that they already had available. And he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. He begins to walk them through it. You could take the story on a little further and they come up and, and it's, it's, it's getting late. And it's like Jesus is going to go on. They compel him to come in. He breaks the bread. Their eyes are revealed and they recognize it's Jesus. And then he disappears right in front of them. And they, whoo, hightail it back to Jerusalem, cover that seven miles in record time. Begin to share their story about how they had had an experience with Jesus. Folks. It's one thing for us to sit here and read this and kind of shake our fingers at those first disciples. But you know what? We have access to the promises of God today, too. We have access to what he has said today, too. And you know what? We need to make sure we are grabbing a hold of what the Holy Spirit is speaking to us and to our lives. And to look for that resurrection life because we have hope for it. Hebrews 4 says, for the word of God is alive and active It's not it was alive, it is alive and it's active and it's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing between the soul and the spirit, the joints and the marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. I need the Word of God to come in and deal with Brandon Clark because I would delude myself and my soul will begin to mess everything up and I need the Word of God to come in and divide between those things and show me my thoughts and my attitudes and my intents. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's God's, uh, sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before His eyes of whom all must give account. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus the Son of God, since the resurrection is true, since it's true, let us hold firmly to the faith that we possess. Folks, if we're going to look for resurrection life, we have to, to hope and to have that, that anchor, that thing where our soul grabs a hold of, that God is faithful, that He is good. and Hebrews 10, 23, says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess, for He who promised is faithful. Folks, our bottom line today is hope holds on. Hope holds on. I don't care how ugly it looks. I don't care how big of a cesspool you feel like you're stuck in. Hope holds on. God is faithful. That is what the resurrection is all about. That he is faithful. That he is faithful. He is faithful. He is faithful. See, the risen life is found in trusting God to do what he said he will do. And we won't live that out unless we grab a hold of it and understand and place our hope in him and him alone. It can be frustrating to see things going sideways in our culture, sideways with government, whichever angle you think it should be going, sideways in relationships. But our hope is not in that. Our hope is in God and God alone. He is the one who's faithful. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Celebration Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.